Chapter 4, Dieting Your Way to Obesity. So I've mentioned a few times that I do these early in the morning, and so that's why my voice always sounds a little bit deeper, and then my passion for the topic tends to get a little bit stronger as we start delving into each particular chapter. But what's really interesting about it is it's 5.56 a.m. and I probably sat in bed for about 15 minutes before I decided to get up and get moving around 4.45. And normally I get to sleep or I wake up around 6.37 o'clock each day. And just right now, this project has been something that is it's just got me really super excited and I just want you guys to know that because a big part of getting our message out there is just providing information that is easy for you guys to understand and last night you know I went out with my wife and we had date night um, we actually have date weekend I can I can talk about that at some point but if you're eat before member you you're very well acquainted with our date weekends and and, and date nights but, you know, I had my wife listen to the, uh, you know, the, the recordings up to this point, and she was really touched by it. And, and you know, it, she really thought that it was coming out well. I was really excited to hear that she thought, thought that. And so it makes me, you know, much more excited to kind of keep moving on and giving you guys some good information. One of the best things I'd ever heard was on the on the concept of obesity was the idea of dieting to dieting your way to obesity and probably the best way to describe it for a lot of women because you know frankly <laughs> you know when we're talking about fat loss the audience is much bigger for females than it is for males though that's changing over time and obviously I'm a male and so the uh you know, it became a bigger thing in my life as, you know, I moved into my 30s and, and 40s. But with women, it seems to be a much bigger priority early on. And, um, you know, the the pressure seems much more acute. And, you know, what that's from, you know, it's kind of interesting the way that most people view the media and images that they get and I always think that life is sort of like Facebook you know Facebook you know the way Facebook works is they really only show you the stuff that you're interested in and so you know kind of keep that in mind when you're finding yourself being barraged by you know images of you know high expectations as it relates to body composition and, and people that don't necessarily look like you but then the majority of the people on the planet do look like you you know when you're seeking out you know magazines that are profiling celebrities and, and things of that nature you know you're going to be barraged by those images and and frankly uh, you know, I, I just don't think that that's helpful for a lot of people. And, and, you know, I strongly believe that people have the ability to to control their filter on that one. And it certainly, you know, like I said, 
you know, if you stop interacting with, with uh, the eat form page, as an example, you won't see eat form information. And that's, you know, that's kind of how the world actually works. So it's interesting in that way. But probably the best way to describe, you know, dieting your way to obesity is, is the freshman 15 concept, right? Where you put on 15 pounds when you go to college and most people understand why they do that but they don't necessarily put the right pieces together so when you're coming out of high school you know most high schools are pretty big you're walking around you're you know fairly active you might have some type of activity some type of sport that you participate in and then all of a sudden as you move to college and you know, your life doesn't have the same sort of order that it had in high school, your activity level comes down fairly dramatically, and oftentimes that will end up in, in weight gain. But what's what I'm saying there that's interesting that, that really people should kind of hear is it's it's really the activity level that changed because if you think of you know, I have two high school girls, um, and, and they would choose poorly as it relates to food on a daily basis if there wasn't some manner of order to their life, right? And so as you move into more independence and you start to figure out, like, who you are as it relates to kind of your fitness journey or the way that you eat or, or you know, the foods that you enjoy, you know, certainly some level of energy density is going to be kind of a, a negative, you know, and when I say energy density, I just mean foods with a lot of calories. You know, you certainly want to be aware of that. But at the same time, the the activity level, when you look at the amount of food that you eat in college compared to high school, it, it wouldn't be dramatically different. What, what really makes the difference is going to be that activity level. Now, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you couldn't potentially overeat because there's definitely some things, you know, I, I think I mentioned it, you know, in one of the recent chapters where, you know, as you start to, you know, view food as one of these things that allow some level of comfort, it's easy to fall back into that without activity, you know. And like I said before, your metabolism is actually purring along, trying to process these nutrients, things of that nature. But without some activity in the picture, it really dramatically affects you know, the amount of stored bodily fat that we have on our frame. And people don't necessarily make the connection. And actually, I don't think it's the, the, that they make the connection because we, we talk to so many people on a daily basis that run through these problems. And, and you know, as you get older, your life becomes just naturally more sedentary and you really have to fight that process one of the things in i'm probably going to do a whole chapter on this but but i'll touch on it right now 
is the concept of wearables and people being more cognizant of the amount of time that they're moving. I think what's interesting about that is that the wearable companies themselves, you know, they're doing a great job marketing fitness and, and being active, but they're still tying it to you know, kind of this less, less, less model, you know, most people are trying to move more and then, you know, eat less and, and usually dramatically less without a lot of, you know, real um, thought process as it relates to how they're doing things. I and mean, we were really the first people to say that the number that you see on your wearable in terms of um, calorie number is what you're supposed to be eating normally and you know like most things you know there's an estimate there and and so if you use something from Fitbit as opposed to something from Garmin or something from you know any of the other companies that do that they're all going to differ a little bit they all calculate it a little differently but most of them are based on the same formulas that they use for body fat testing and and you know all the things that 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 science uses to calculate metabolism uh, and metabolic rate and so when we're talking about you know dieting your way to obesity there's another piece that is really super important and even even young i mean certainly your activity level is higher but when you think about what's going on when you're a young man, young woman, your hormones are functioning in a way that is optimized. And so as you move from like a you know preteen to a teenager to an adult, basically what's going to end up happening is you have these kind of growth cycles and it's those growth cycles that you know, send these hormonal signals that are positive. And a lot of times you will seek out more energy density. I mean, you know, we see it in our family all the time. You know, our 13-year-old will just start devouring food. And then, you know, three months later, you know, she's six inches taller, you know. And when you look at a lot of what we're all trying to do as individuals if you look at it on a long spectrum what you're really trying to do is accumulate enough muscle mass and really not just muscle mass because muscle is going to obviously allow you better longevity it's going to allow you to thrive through life you know and i'm not talking about bodybuilder type muscle i'm really talking about the kind of muscle that you need to, you know, carry your kids around when you're 37, you know, um, that kind of thing. And, but it's not just muscle that is being handled favorably. It's really the tendons and ligaments and all the things, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, um, libido. You know, libido is definitely tied, in, and we'll get into that here in a second. But 
some of the rates of osteoporosis and bone density issues and stuff like that, they really come from a lack of resistance training. And when I say resistance training, I think, you know, well, first of all, you know, I don't know that everybody will know what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm really talking about some level of weightlifting. Now, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, taking a bar and lifting weights, but that certainly is something that, that can be favorable. Barbell work, dumbbell work, all those things are things that became a priority in my life over time. But body weight movements can also make a big difference, which, you know, brings up another interesting point. Using all these body weight exercises at high intensity all of the time often lends people to be broken and their process can be really frustrating and so if you're you know looking at a a, a dvd or or something on your phone that's telling you the workout that you're supposed to be doing for that day and you know it's always like this high intense stuff and you're never really doing like a, a, a lunge that's slow and controlled or really strict push-ups. Really what I'm saying is, is that the high intense body weight movements is sort of missing the point when we're looking at resistance training because what we're really trying to do is acutely affect the muscle in a way that allows it to become more lean in the process. And so when you're doing all your body weight movements at high intensity, really what you're doing is some level of down, down, down. And when you look at the way the athletes train, you know, NFL football players, you know, tennis stars, you know, all these all these folks that reach out to, you know, high paid trainers the way that those trainers set up those programs is way different than the programs that you guys see. You know, the, the popular ones being things like CrossFit or, or P90X or stuff like that. And, and once again, nothing against any of those things. But when they're in the wrong hands, often they end up getting used in a wrong manner. And when you look at how an athlete gets better they get better with some level of, of long endurance some level of of resistance training slow and then some level of resistance training fast and so kind of keep that in mind as we sort of move through this because obviously i've already made the connection to you guys that keeping muscle on your frame is important and then building lean muscle and, you know, the other thing that, that I think is also important, we've touched on it before, but, but it's always worth mentioning when we're talking about this, is this idea that, you know, for women, you're going to get bulky if you start doing push-ups or if you start, you know, doing activities that are outside of long cardio type of work. And frankly, there's not a lot of evidence that that is the case but you can't say to me 
on the one hand, you know, I would like to see my abdominal muscles, but then not also work your abdominal muscles in a way that, you know, are going to allow those to pop. And so some level of, of muscle building. Now that that's on a spectrum, right? I mean, I, you know, as a male, you know, would like to have a little bit more muscle, but you know, my frame is not huge and there really is no point in me, you know, trying to, there, there's some level of athleticism that is a priority in my life. And then, you know, there's some people that the muscle part is a, is a bigger part of their journey. And, and there's no judgment on any of that. It's just a matter of what you would like to accomplish and how you would like to accomplish it. And one of the, the great things and, and one of the best you know, parts of the movement that we've been able to see is the conversations that we've been able to have with both runners and people that weight lift and, and introducing some level of, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be running, I, I guess, you know, I mean, you know, if you're looking at weighted hikes, if you're looking at, uh, you know, even stuff like real low impact, I mean, I you know, early on in my journey, low impact uh, cardio equipment like stair steppers, and there was kind of a stair stepper hybrid elliptical. Those things were were big, you know, in terms of work volume. And really, what I'm saying when I'm talking about freshman fifteen and things like that is, you know, work volume matters and when you're younger it's easier um, you don't have all of life's you know different things that are kind of stopping you from being active certainly as we've moved from kind of an industrial or, or agricultural way of doing things we were more active and now we've moved to more of a service economy and we're struggling you know adjusting to that but so if you're Familiar with Eat to Perform, and I'm going to take a sip of coffee here real quick. If you're familiar with Eat to Perform, one of the things that I mention all the time is the Minnesota Starvation Study. Now, the Minnesota Starvation Study, the, the main player here was a guy named Ansel Keys. It was done during World War II, and many of the guys that were participating in the study they were very active people but they they weren't able to go to the war for any various reasons and so they were able to talk these guys into what ultimately has become inhumane and and it cannot be replicated and that's important because of the information that came out of it. A lot of the, the dieting culture sort of started from the way that, or the information that we got from the Minnesota Starvation Study. And, and it was sort of interesting that, you know, the, the, the pitfalls that that study showed really have shown up in, in real life in, in a lot of ways and, and manifest themselves in a dysfunctional relationship with food. 
but so let me break down the study. It was all men, and and I, I think that sometimes when you're talking to women, it becomes difficult to kind of bridge that gap because you know there obviously are some differences. But I think that the overriding concept is very important, and and the overriding concept being that you know each of us have a total daily energy expenditure that our metabolism is dynamic and we can affect it greatly on a daily basis so the way that the study was set up the guys were they had a baseline of roughly i, I you know i'm off the top of my head and, and maybe i'll just add this to the notes later on but they were set at roughly 3,500 calories, uh, mid-3,000s. Now, these were guys mostly from the Midwest, farm guys, very active. And it really sort of points to, you know, one of the people that I've become acquainted with through my process with Eat Reform and, and his research is a gentleman by the name of Stephen Blair. And Stephen uses the Minnesota Starvation Study, and in a lot of his his research has been based off of these ideas that we're less active. That he, even, you know, I mean, actually, Stephen, it was sort of funny in in the interview that I did with Stephen way back in the day. You know, he was talking about how women were more active when there was a stove and and not a microwave and that you know there was dishes rather than a dishwasher and you know he he it's funny talking to Stephen because i think the last when i spoke to him he, he's 76 years old and you know his goal each year is a million steps and he's just like this vibrant guy and uh you know he was clearly bothered by the fact that you know all these women were kind of viewing things from his study from a feminist perspective and really all he was trying to say was that it it wasn't just men that were affected by the changes in technology and and changes in the, you know in the way that we all make money now it, it it was it it was women as well and then as women moved into the workforce you know, that also changed their level of activity. So it's sometimes, you know, the, the average person sometimes struggles divorcing, you know, reality from, you know, a scientific study. And I thought it was kind of interesting. And, and it's been kind of fun being able to kind of get those types of recordings out to you guys and hear, hear these researchers talk in a real voice and and whether it's it's myself or brad dieter or mike nelson dr brad dieter dr mike nelson or dr jen peterson patterson we've been able to kind of keep these folks frame the conversations where it's more conversational because i think that what happens when we're talking about scientific literature is that people often focus on the confusing part and what we try to kind of hammer home is the pieces that really matter to people and really can make a difference in their lives so the minnesota starvation study these guys 
started off at a baseline mid 3000s i think if you have you know any type of wearable now you're probably a little bit surprised on how many calories that you burn on a daily basis and and how much you know like i said that's the number you should be eating but your metabolism might not be there because it's been artificially repressed by you know you under eating for a while and you know once again those things are guidelines they're not strict rules i can tell you i've done various experiments with various devices and been able to make it work every single time where i have been able to actually eat the number and and even overeat it and and you go well overeat it how could you overeat it that doesn't make any sense wouldn't you gain fat in that scenario well these devices have one problem is they don't really allow for weight training and, and they don't account for that and so when you're talking about the metabolic demands of tearing down muscle tissue and then building it back up wearables haven't kind of figured that piece out yet so that's why you can actually overeat a little bit sometimes but in the minnesota starvation study they they starved them and the numbers that you know they starved them at are gonna shock you guys because so much information has been based on the 2000 for maintenance and 1200 for cutting now you know everyone's a little bit more aware it's sort of moved to 2500 for for guys and i think the the cutting number is now 1500 but once again these are all made up numbers when we actually have the ability to get pretty close on devices that we can wear and you know this idea of kind of looking at things from the standpoint of you know living a life of abundance is is sort of a new concept and and hopefully you know becomes more popular as as we get that message out and then you know we're already seeing that right you know i mean we're we're definitely seeing other mainstream health advocates start talking about you know why you know eating food all foods in moderation sort of makes sense and and not necessarily demonizing one macronutrient like protein carbohydrates i mean people still try to do it but but you know there is sort of this rational approach out there that that is sort of resonating and so when they set up the starvation calories, I wish you guys could see me because I'm doing like finger quotes, but they were set up at 1,500 to 1,700 calories. And if, if I, I really need to say that again, is that their calories were set at 1,500 to 1,700 calories. And so the standard recommendation right now for males is 2500 and then 1500 for cutting in this instance they were starving these gentlemen and if you you know i'll i'll post the wikipedia link um and we'll have references in the book but it's so surprising to me when you look at the images of these guys that that were clearly vibrant guys and then you know, after the starvation study, they were, you know, kind of like these, these emaciated folks. 
what you really need to hear is that their baseline and their activity and and the things that they did you know I, I don't know that I really hammered home the point earlier about bone density and 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 osteoporosis and all the things that that we're struggling with when you're when you're putting great demand on your muscles it it makes your bones heart you know stronger it makes your tendons more useful joint pain is, is less and less over time because you're stronger as an individual and so when these guys showed up at the University of Minnesota as as you know active um, you know physically fit people for them to gradually move to a way where they were compromised as human beings was enlightening but but it wasn't so much the 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 fact that they were starved it's the fact that they were starved at numbers that are being given out as the recommendation these days and that really misses the point what the real point of you know all of what we're talking about and the way that we are as human beings is we want to you know move in a way that not only has volume as it relates to cardio and endurance you know so sitting on a treadmill you know isn't necessarily a bad idea but it's only one piece of the picture you know i mean these guys are throwing around hay bales and 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 carrying feed and and all this other type of stuff or you know really even you know in minneapolis in the industrial age you know even 20s and 30s these are very active jobs and you know there's still remnants you know i live in minnesota now and there's still remnants of meat packing plants and all this other type of stuff so you know these guys were going to be moving around you know a fair amount of weight and we have to adjust to, to that as a society and the fitness pieces that we're having in place if we tweak them to look a little bit more like the way that we were doing things as human beings you know only 60 70 years ago we would get a much better response but the problem is is that what happened in the minnesota starvation study is that these guys did starve one of the most interesting things about it was that these guys never reported having any negative relationship with food until they started restricting food and then all of a sudden they started clipping pictures out of the newspaper and any images of food they would have in their dormitory and it really sort of points out some of the things that is just become normal at this point with dieting culture being so prevalent obsession with food is off the charts you know and it you know if you've ever dieted fairly extremely and like i said you know i i definitely have had my moments doing that what happens for a lot of people is that they become obsessed 
by the foods that they're they're missing or they're denying themselves. You know, going off script here, well, you know, uh, for a second, because I know that you know this this chapter is actually being kind of a little bit all over the map and, and a little more off script than normal. But when we're talking about something like addiction, it's not a great parallel. Not everyone listening to this probably believes themselves as a food addict, you know. And if you do believe yourself as a food addict, you sh- you shouldn't necessarily seek out detoxes and and all the things that people are selling you. You know, you should go check with a doctor. But normally, when people have a bad relationship with food, they view themselves as you know a food addict. A lot of the time. It's these constant dieting cycles that are causing them to be obsessed with food. But, but what's interesting about studies related to addiction is that what a lot of the research is sort of pointing to is, is really a core concept of Eat to Perform. It's not that you know, the way that that people view like alcohol addiction, you know, obviously things like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous are are very popular. But what the studies are sort of showing is that the way that people truly recover really comes about from creating a life of abundance, a life of joy, a life of of being loved and being connected. And I strongly believe in that. I mean, as I mentioned in an earlier chapter, I am a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, but I don't necessarily look at, you know, denying myself alcohol or drugs as the major component. I really look at the life that I built and the connections that I made and and a lot of the relationships that that ultimately had to go you know leave my life because as I moved into a more positive direction and and that's what I strongly believe about about food as well is when we make connections as it relates to fitness communities when we make connections where food is a, a joyful thing and not something that ends up just being a crutch because you know your life is sort of attacking you at any one given moment. But if you have like some type of plan uh, where you have a healthy relationship with food, that'll be a good thing. So that's where I'll end this chapter is that these guys did not end up with a healthy relationship with food. And if you look at you know something like orthorexia, these things you know, are, are the types of dysfunctional way of thinking of food that you open yourself up to when you're sort of denying your body. You know, this is, once again, I mean, am I saying that you, you know, you shouldn't eat micronutrients, shouldn't eat mostly whole foods? Absolutely. You know, and, and is food more available and more convenient? 100% it is but at the same time you know eating just low calorie food without addressing 
the the just monumental chasm as it relates to the way we used to move compared to the way that we move now. And, and, and once again, I'm not talking about volume of cardiovascular exercise. And it's sort of interesting with Eat to Perform because anytime I start talking about cardio, people will be like, oh, here we go, you know, another person on the internet that hates running. You know, what people don't realize is that I, I train for long runs fairly often. And um, I believe in, uh, uh, you know, in fact, you know, if it wasn't for my heart health, uh, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today. I, it's something that, what you know, started off as a big priority for me. Like I said, you know, my approach when I first started off wasn't particularly enlightened. And I was doing a lot of the stuff. I mean, even though I eventually figured out that I needed more food to do more work, um, my fitness component wasn't evolved at that point either and so you know when you're focusing on the food part really and and kind of you know hammering home the whole dieting your way to obesity thing as you compromise your metabolism and you don't make movement a priority and your life is going through all these changes and you're not self-aware it really is that awareness that people need to have more of. You know, every scientific study shows that if you weigh yourself more often, you're more likely to stay in a range that's going to make sense. Now, I'm not, you know, Mr. You have to weigh yourself every day. You have to be super rigid about it. I think we all have kind of a complicated relationship with the scale and we need to be honest with ourselves about that. But it really is the expectation of the scale that that that's sort of destroying all of that. And you know, when someone says, you know, I just avoid the scale, it, you know, that number makes no sense to me and you know, I just don't like it. You can't then also say to me well, I don't like accumulated fat on my body because if you're not going to introduce some level of specifics in your life or some level of data, you know, you have to understand it's not the, it's not the scale number. It's, it's your expectation of what the scale number that says. Um, that, that's really the problem. And having some level of understanding you know, as it relates to muscle mass and, and who you're really supposed to be. I mean, I, I see a lot of people that are trying to be, you know, 130 pounds. And, and if you look at their mother and their grandmother, you know, they were meant to be 155, 165 pounds, you know. And what's interesting when you, you know, you're talking about males in the Minnesota starvation study compared to females is that, you know, guys seem to have kind of almost two body types, big and small, right? Um, and, and, and certainly I'm, I'm oversimplifying there. But when we're talking about women, holy cow, you know, the, the, the spectrum of, you know, body types. And what's interesting as, as we become more obsessed with athleticism and women's sports are becoming more popular and more prevalent in society 
what you see is all of these various very type all these various body types represented and i think that that's that's a good thing long term and i think you know if we can just get steered a little bit more in the right direction you know some of the pieces that we're learning you know this is part of that failure you know piece that i was talking about in one of the earlier chapters the the failures that we're all having as as a society is that we're viewing food with this, this it's like a necessary evil and really food as a component of joy in your life really should be something that you know should be a priority i believe that and you know i know for myself having food as the enemy never worked out but once again when you're you know and and just to be clear here you know i'm not talking about earning calories what i'm talking about is continuously fighting to become more of the human being you're supposed to be all along right that's the whole idea here so i think that that covers this chapter fairly well and you know we'll try and get the notes to you guys but you know this idea of of dieting your way to obesity when i first heard that concept i mean it was like a ding 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 moment so i hope that makes a big difference for you guys